regulators. We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steel, if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! Mount up. It was a clear black night. A clear Hello, and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists who made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson. I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What's up, Toby? Man, I am, um, I'm excited. Excited? I'm a little, excited. A little bittersweet today, though? A little bittersweet. A little bittersweet. But this is, uh, this is my jam. This right is a jam. This is, this is important. This is a good song. This is a really important song. But, it I, is. but I also feel like we need to, uh, well, we're saying goodbye to Big Jules, who's going off to do awesome. Well, she's not going anywhere. She's just spending more time doing her own stuff, which is cool for, for Evergreen. Right. And we're introducing the beloved and impressive Isabel as our new producer. So this is uh, this is indeed a bittersweet day. It is a bittersweet day. It's a new beginning. We're very excited for Jules. We want to give her the proper send-off. Thank you so much for all that you've helped us with. Wish you all the success in the world, and we'll see you in the hallway. That's right, exactly. <laughs> well, moving ahead, together on the show, we listen to the legendary tracks and the timeless, but sometimes not so well-known songs that they sampled from. So tell everybody what this, what this is. With pleasure. We are listening to G-Funk's finest, Warren G and Nate Dogg, mm-hmm. with their hit song, Regulate. Yes. So why don't we hop in the DeLorean and see what track was sampled to make this hit. Rewind! You know, when the sample is direct, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know when, when the lyrics are very direct, we have this thing that we say, the message is clear, yeah, right? Right, right. Well, the sample is clear. The sample right is clear. The sample is clear. And, and why would you not just lift it as Oh, my is? God. Beautiful. Such a good groove. You know, when it comes to samples like this, though... Sometimes the song, the original song is so good. Yes. I feel like I can't, it's, like I don't want to mess with it. You can't do it. It's, yeah. it's not right. Yeah. Well, tell the good people what this awesome sample is. What song are we listening to? We are listening to the song I Keep Forgetting by the blue-eyed soul wonder that is Michael McDonald off of his 1982 debut album, If That's What It Takes. Well, this five-time Grammy winner has been an integral part of bands like Steely Dan, the Doobie Brothers, a collaborator on so many albums it's hard to keep track. But before we get into all of that, let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit more about Michael McDonald? That I can do, man. So Michael was born on February 12th in 1952 in Ferguson, Missouri. Now, he played in a number of local bands in high school and moved out to the West Coast at the ripe age of 18. Wow, that's a leap, man. Well, he was already singing backup for some big acts by the age of 19, including on this track by Patty Austin and... One of your faves, Tobe. James Ingram. Mm, my man. Let's, I love this track, too. Let's listen to Baby Come to Me. Right? Now, Eric, just, just let this whole song play. Seriously. Let the entire song play. Yeah, the, you know this is on the playlist, right? <laughs> you know <laughs> the this Braswell is on the playlist. You know this is on yeah, that mixtape. This mix is on tape. the Watson mixtape, too. <laughs> 
This song was released in 1972 and reached number 73 on the Hot 100. But it was re-released in 1973, and it was used as sort of a theme music for the character Luke on the daytime soap General Hospital. Shot straight up to number one in 1973. So let me say this, yeah. right? So this General Hospital thing, right. this was a big deal. Oh, yeah. This was a big, big deal. Big deal. My mom used to watch General Hospital faithfully. Your mom and all of America. Well, I don't know about all America. I, I'm going to trust Wikipedia on that, right? <laughs> right? But my mom was addicted to this show, Luke and Laura. Luke, Luke and, Laura. and Laura. Luke and Laura. That's what it was all about. Yeah, I was a little too young. I mean, I remember everybody talking about Luke and Laura and the wedding and it was a thing and whatever. And But I, you know, I was a little kid, so... I went back and read up on a little, and I got to tell you, Tob, there's some disturbing stuff in there. This is you know this what? is not Ross and Rachel. I, <laughs> I'm just saying they weren't right. These are not the type of friendship you want to have. This no. is not. Yeah, you know what? I read that and I was uh, shocked and amazed. Like, oh my God, this is right. uh, there's some stuff. Yeah, it was a little disturbing. Yeah, a little, a little disturbing. So, but by 1974. He had hooked up with Steely Dan, and we're talking about not Luke. Not right? Luke. Not, not Luke, Luke didn't never hooked up with Steely Dan. <laughs> we're talking about Mr. McDonald. So he hooked up with uh, Steely Dan as a singer for their tours and eventually started doing work in the studio with them as well. Now let's take a listen to his backing vocals on the Steely Dan track, Black Friday. When Black Friday falls, you know it's got to be. You know, and if you listen to the background vocals, you know who it is? It makes complete sense. That voice is so distinct. Well, he would continue to work with Steely Dan through the 80s, but back in 1975, he was recruited by the Doobie Brothers to replace singer Tom Johnston on tour after Tom had gotten sick. Okay, so here's my question, right? Yep. Here's my question. We had talked about one of the worst years in music. That one stupid song got yeah, actually... it was like 68, which was actually a great year of music, but... Well, you know, somebody was messing up, right? right? Somebody. Right. So... All I can say is this. In 1975, this dude was actually recruited to sing for Dude Brothers. So what were other bands thinking about in 73, <laughs> Why did? What were you thinking? <laughs> how did you miss this? So how did you miss... Yeah. He he's a free agent. Right. He's a free agent. Yeah. Well, and you didn't sign him? What is he? And he's still... You know, he's young. He's early 20s right for now. For shame. For shame. For shame. <laughs> for shame. Bring out the pickle of shame. <laughs> I'm telling you. The band enjoyed his work so much, they retained him as a permanent member of the band, even after Johnston returned. Now, his contributions were immediate, beginning with the Doobie Brothers' 1976 album, Taking It to the Streets. Taking It to the Streets, yeah. That title track was actually written by Michael McDonald, and it was the first single that featured him on lead vocals. Apparently, the listening public were fans of his smooth crooning as well, as this track hit number 13 on the Billboard 100. Let's listen to Taking It to the Streets. Every time I hear this song, yeah. I can't help but to think about that sitcom from back in the day, What's Happening. <laughs> they had an episode with the Doobie Brothers in it. Do you remember that? I do. Oh, my God, dude, that was classic. Which, which Doobie do you be? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> So in 1979, McDonald and Kenny Loggins, my man, right? So Kenny Loggins co-wrote another smash hit for the Doobie Brothers, this time on their Minute by Minute album. So the song What a Fool Believes hit number one of the Hot 100 and won a couple of Grammys for Song of the Year and Record of the Year. Let's give it a listen. As she rises, 
So I don't say this often, but I think this song is perfect. Wow. Yep. It's perfect In for me. In what way? Just I think it has everything. The musicality. It literally excites me. Yeah. I can it's so it's an old song. Right? It's an older song, but I literally was just car dancing to this song. Sure. It's a great tune. I love it. You know, I was surprised too, because I always thought that the song was about kind of a guy who was into a girl that wasn't into him, but it's actually more about a relationship that you know is just doomed from the start, but, you know, you kind of suck it up and go for it anyway. A fool. A fool, yeah. (laughs) A fool. Got it. Well, by 1982, the Doobies had embarked on their first farewell tour, after which Michael McDonald embarked on his solo career. His debut album, if that's what it takes, was released in 1982 and contains our first featured track, I Keep Forgetting. Now, there is some crazy talent on this yeah, album. in line. Crazy talent. And we've talked about uh, some of these people in the past, right? So, Brenda Russell. Mm-hmm. We've talked about yeah, her, we, right? we did an episode on her. Sure did. So, Christopher Cross, Kenny Loggins. Yeah. You know, we're going to bookmark him. He's definitely getting He's an coming episode, back. right? And the McDonald's wife, Amy Holland. Yeah, not to mention Robin Ford, one of my favorite all-time guitar players. Edgar Winter has a nice little sax solo. Steve Gadd and most of the band, Toto. Am I clicking my heels? Are we not in <laughs> Kansas anymore? Anything hey, like that? You know that? what? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know what? Actually, scratch that. Let's pull back the curtain a little bit and talk a little bit about Ted Templeman, who produced all of those Doobie Brother albums, as well as Michael's debut. Templeman produced for a lot of artists, including Carly Simon and Little Feet. But he does lend his voice to a track on Van Halen's song Unchained off of their Fair Warning album. Let's give that a listen. Come on, Dave. Give me a break. Come on, Dave. Give me a break. Well, this may actually be the band that Templeman is most well-known for, as he was the one who saw them live in 1977 and persuaded Warner Brothers to sign him. I mean, that should have been an easy an easy conversation, you think. Right. Well, he actually wound up producing Van Halen's first five albums. Man, okay, he's yeah, got a good eye, right? He's right? got a good eye. So, and Templeman's connection to Michael McDonald resulted in an interesting pairing as Michael was brought in to help write Van Halen's song, I'll Wait, from their epic sixth album, 1984. And that is one of my favorite Van Halen tunes. And actually, before we started looking at this episode, I had no idea that Michael McDonald was co-writing a Van Halen tune. Like that is nice. That is crazy. All right, let's give it a listen. I busted this out on vinyl the other day and Did just you? cranked the whole album. It's so good. So this is one of those tracks I would love for a band. A contemporary band to come back and redo, redo some of these tracks. Yeah, just redo it. Just differently, but redo yeah, it still. that'd be cool. So I think there's, cool. a, there's a lot of opportunity yep. in here, right? Yep. So we mentioned all of the amazing, talented artists that appear on McDonald's debut album. There are so many connections. I don't think we can scratch the surface, but let's give a little love to Lewis Thunder Thumbs Johnson. I mean, for a name like Thunder that. Thunder Thumbs. You got to give He's him love. man. Thunder Thumbs. He's the bassist for the Brothers Johnson, and also, along with Larry Graham, considered one of the grandfathers of slap bass. Thunder Thumbs, man. One of my heroes, actually. Played bass on on our first featured track, I Keep Forgetting. But let's hear his work on the 1976 album by Earl Clue, Living Inside Your Love. Here's a track called Kiko, where you can really hear Lewis Johnson's unique style and talent. 
And I don't know what he sampled this. Like, I would just lift this whole line right here and just slice it up. It might, it might happen. Someone <laughs> might have done that already. Yeah. I'm just picturing him playing this, like, in my head. I'm like, oh, that would have been so fun to see. For sure. So you mentioned Toto, who somehow over the years have been pigeonholed as some sort of cheesy, soft rock band. I did band. not know how this happened. I yeah. know. So, uh, you know, they might be, what, the Nickelback of yesteryear? No, oh my God. <laughs> Strike that from the record. Oh, that's funny. I knew that was going to get you. I knew that was going to get a rise out of you. I knew it. Now, so maybe it's because of, of hits like Africa or Rosanna. Which are great songs. Right, right. Anyway, some people have forgotten just how talented the band members in Toto were, and as session players, how many songs from other artists that they played on. So let's listen to a track that has Toto members Jeff Porcaro on drums, his brother Steve on synth, and Steve Lukather on guitar. Oh, and by the way, the aforementioned Eddie Van Halen eh, he might lay down a wicked solo mm, for this track. Let's get it. Oh, man. This is... I, I did not see, need to see you in the studio doing the beat of dance. And this song is awesome. Awesome. The video Ooh. is awesome. Those guys had their hands all over Michael Jackson's 1982 Thriller album. And Steve Porcaro even wrote Human Nature. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. In fact, it wasn't even... He'd written it. It wasn't for Michael. And then Quincy heard it and was like, hmm, I'm going to take that over here. <laughs> Give it to Michael Jackson. <laughs> well, that Human Nature song actually, you know, became one of the top 10 hits from that yeah, album. there were so, so many, right? I mean. Yeah, and Quincy's the guy who kind of brought all this together. And he brought along Lewis Johnson to play bass tracks on that album, including for Billie Jean, Want to Be Starting Something, and PYT for the Thriller album. You, what you just said was basically all my favorite songs from right? that album, yeah. essentially. yeah. So, and you know who wrote the PYT track, right? Mm, tell me. James Ingram. <gasps> I mean, what a tangled web we weave. Man, That's it's, insane. It's, it, I just think, like, they must have all gotten up in the morning and been <laughs> like, hey, let's head to the studio, see who's hanging out, and write some cool tunes, right? I mean, if they were, you, you remember back in the day, you had the Honeycomb Gang, right? <laughs> you had, you don't remember the Honeycomb Gang? I don't, what, who, what, the Honeycomb Gang? You don't remember the Honeycomb, the Honeycomb like the, Are you talking cereal the on cereal. me? The cereal. There was a gang? There was a gang. Was there like a Frosted Flakes gang? Am I missing something? No. You know what? I, it, you, you totally missed it. We'll continue with the episode. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, the Honey, I but I'm just saying that these, all of these artists all together, it's like they had a, a gang or a crew. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and I thought that was just... I yeah, just they are awesome. all performing on each other's stuff. It's it's amazing. Well, Michael McDonald's I Keep Forgetting would hit number four on the... i just disturbed. I, I don't know who the Honeycomb Gang is. <laughs> I can't get over this. Anyway, it would hit number four on the Billboard pop charts, number seven on the R&B charts, and number eight on the adult contemporary charts. It also features his sister, Maureen, singing background vocals. So, Tobe, I have to ask, you know, would you... Would you ever record with your sister? Have you ever recorded with your sister? You know what? It's funny you say that. We've never recorded, but we have sung together several times. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she, her and I, we sing really well together. Go for Harmonize well, but we just never recorded it. Oh, we need to lay this down. And actually, I need to do the same thing with my sister. It's, she's got some pipes and it's she a shame does. that I have not done she that does. with her already. She so. does. She can sing. Yeah. 
So I keep forgetting interpolates the 1963 song of the same name by Chuck Jackson off his 1962 album, Any Day Now. Let's hear Chuck's original. I keep forgetting you don't love me no more. I keep forgetting you don't want me no more. I keep forgetting about those heartbreaking nights. I've never heard the song. I, I hadn't either. Chuck's got a cool voice. Wow. But it almost sounds like a show tune. Honestly, I don't think there's a ton in common between that original and, and Michael McDonald's version, but for whatever reason, he did give a songwriting credit to Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, who wrote the original. And by the way, those guys wrote hundreds of hits, including another one of your favorites, Tobe. I'm pretty sure you, mm. you just told me recently you were driving around the car, like jamming to it. So let's hear some Big Mama Thornton. Let's do it. You Come on now, how can you not like this? I would not want to make that woman mad, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you just want to be a hound dog. I That's do not want to be a hound dog. Not at all. Well, I love me some hound dog, the song, okay? <laughs> this version spent seven weeks at number one of the R&B charts in 1953, and of course, Elvis would take it to number one again on all the charts a couple years later. All of the charts. All yeah, of the charts. Right. It's crazy. Well, Lieber and Stoller also wrote the Benny King track, Stand By Me, which we discussed in a previous episode. So we have even more tangled webs. That more we tangled webs. So let's keep the connections going. In 1984, we see James Ingram and Michael McDonald collaborating again. Now, this time for the song, Y'all Will Be There. Yamo be there? I said it right. Yamo be there. I'm not going to sing it because I can't do it justice. <laughs> I love it. So this song hits number 19 on the Hot 100 and number 5 on the R&B hip-hop charts and also won the Grammy for the best R&B performance by a duo or group. Let's hear Yamo be there. So and James Ingram can sing too. My God. To have him, McDonald, and Kitty Loggins right down. Oh. I mean, come on, man. You can't. That's a super group. That's why Quincy was like, I just want you guys here, 8 o'clock in the morning. Just come <laughs> in. We're going to make songs. We're going to make hits. I don't know how long this is going to last, so. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, there's always been a lot of speculation as to what that phrase, Yamo Be There, actually means. Apparently, originally, the song was titled Yahweh Be There, as Yahweh is a Hebrew name for God. Right, right. And James Ingram stated he wanted to say God without scaring audiences away because, you know, God's scary. And so, hence the cryptic title. Yeah, you know what? And it makes sense. If you listen to the lyrics, it makes sense that that's totally. what he wanted to say. You know, he will be there. Yeah, he will be that, there. It's like, right? huh, love it, love it. So, UK drum and bass artist Chase and Status would sample Yamo Be There for their 2008 track, Running. Let's give that a spin. You see my face again. You need to stop I like how they sort of took that 80s, you know, synth sound, yeah. piano sound, and were like, all right, let's give it a little grit. Not mad at it. Well, Michael McDonald would hit the top 10 again in 1986 with the song Sweet Freedom from the Running Scared soundtrack. That's the buddy cop movie that featured Gregory Hines and 
Billy Crystal. You ever see that? One? Oh my God, I love these guys. Those guys. I together. love those guys. I don't yeah. know that I've seen that movie though. I don't but. know if I've seen the movie. No, I don't think I've seen it, but I do love those guys. I will have to yeah, go back and check. It, it. Absolutely. Let's let, let's take a listen to Sweet Freedom. Man, how does this not put you in a good mood? Every day. You know what this song sounds like? A half hour before work is over. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Absolutely. A half hour. 30 minutes and countdown. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. So it looks like I need to put something in my Netflix queue. Yeah, if I can find both. it. We got to find this. That or Prime. It's got to be one of the It's got to be somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. Or a library, at very least. Well, Michael McDonald continues to perform and record, including a couple of successful albums of Motown covers, because if you got a voice like that, why wouldn't you cover those tracks? Right. <laughs> More work with the Doobie Brothers and this collaboration with Thundercat and Kenny Loggins in 2017. Let's take a listen to Show You the Way. This track has really grown on me. Thundercat's a bad man. He is. And I can appreciate his talent, but it's taken me a while to come around to, like, settling in and, and enjoying it. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I agree. I agree. But when you have a lineup like this, you got to check it out. I mean, the, the list of songs, if I were Quincy, the list of songs that I'd want them to do would be, like, longer than one of those uh, CVS receipts. <laughs> you know, it's just very long. <laughs> Like ridiculously long, album upon album upon album. So let's show our listeners the way to our second feature artist. That's Mr. Warren G. Mm -hmm. And let's start from the beginning. So Warren Griffin III was born on November 10th, 1970 in Long Beach, California. His parents were divorced at an early age, and he spent his childhood in both of his parents' separate homes. You know what I just saw on Instagram, by the way? That it's his pops' uh, 80th birthday today. Is that so, right? So happy birthday to happy Warren birthday, G's pops. dad. Yeah. There you go. Happy birthday, pops. Well, it just so happened that when his father remarried, Warren now had a new stepbrother who turned out to be, well, the guy responsible for this hit. And when your album sales wasn't doing too good, who's the doctor that he told you to go see? Y'all better listen up closely. Yeah. Make house calls, people. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> I'd like him to come over then. Uh, and if you, if you love and appreciate hip-hop, there's no way you can forget about Dr. Dre. I've got a lot of friends, right, that have gone through divorces or have parents that were divorced. And it's tough on everybody. But let me say this, okay, let me be clear. If there was ever a silver lining to the sure. whole divorce thing, outside of having two Christmases, mm. okay, ending up with Dr. Dre as your stepbrother yeah. is, <laughs> that's like putting water on a chia pet. I mean, something is about to happen. Uh, really? You, you and I have had very different you chia pet buy, experiences. You, you didn't buy a chia pet. You bought a, like a oh, Mia one of those pet. like TV or, 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 or things, pet. whatever. Yeah, because yeah, you put nothing, water on it and it grows. No, nothing grows, Tob. I just got some green goop on a, oh. on a piece of clay for several weeks. It's very <laughs> depressing. Well, Warren showed that he had an interest in music early on and formed a group called Two One Three with his friend Nate Hale, aka Nate Dog, and Nate's cousin Calvin Brodus. Okay, let us be clear. Now his W twos may say Calvin Brodus. But you know him as this guy, 
So don't change the diesel, turn it up a little. I got a living room full of fine dime bristles. Waiting on the pistol, the diesel, and the shit. You know what? You don't need speed limits if you would just play these songs on the highway. <laughs> Everyone would drive slow. Nobody would be in a hurry. You don't know it. No, you're like, I'll get chilling. there when I get there. You're good. I'm chilling. You're, good. you're fine. It's a true story. <laughs> well, that is Snoop Dogg's hit. Drop It Like It's Hot, featuring Pharrell, and it's off of his 2004 Rhythm and Gangster album. So Warren G., Nate Dogg, and Snoop Dogg were all in a group called 213. And I'm sure that some of you are wondering where that name came from. Mm, Area code? Is that their area code? Okay, you stole all my thunder. Uh, So it's either the area code or my weight on... Or Thunder Thumbs, whatever. (laughs) Thunder Joe, I'm good. Whatever you come up with. Well, so to answer your question, it is the zip code that they lived in. There was another hip-hop group called the 415 with Richie Rich and and D-Loke. And Warren liked the way that they repped their area code and decided that he and his friends should also rep theirs as well. Warren was encouraged and taught by his stepbrother, Dr. Dre, to produce music... Well, and that certainly proved to pay dividends down the road. But that success wasn't instant. The group 213 was earning a name around town for being, you know, they're a good hip-hop group, but they didn't have a deal yet. They were just performing and whatever. So Warren had the idea of calling his stepbrother to see what he could do. So the story goes like this. So Dre was at a party when Warren called and suggested Warren come through. Was was Dre just like always at a party? And so I mean, it's Dr. Dre. <laughs> yeah, right. You've heard the music, yeah. right? Yeah. At the party, Warren got a chance to play some of his music, and Dre actually took a liking to it enough to invite him and his group to the studio on that Monday. The rest is history as Warren began to work with Dre on his classic album, Chronic. So, serious question, though. Could you, could you ask for a better teacher? I mean, the answer I, is... I'm pretty sure is, Dre's doing, like, a master class. Like, literally be. for... That's master class like, talent. On video, right? That's right. That's right. So the group broke up, right? The 213, they broke up due to Snoop Dogg's solo career. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is that after Warren G served time for drug possession, he continued to work on his craft of producing music. It sounded like there was some more bad news before the good news there. There, there was a lot of bad. There was a lot of bad. <laughs> but we, we got to lie. the good. But we Not, got to the good right. eventually. So he was introduced to a renowned director, John Singleton, which resulted in a song on the soundtrack for the movie Poetic Justice. Poetic Justice starred both Tupac and Janet Jackson and was released on July 23rd in 93. It included a track called Indo Smoke by Mr. Grimm and featured Warren G and Nate Dogg. Let's give it a spin. Stretched, taken to the extreme feeling, dancing on the ceiling like vinyl. If you hear me on some vinyl, I'll break it to Man, first year in college, baby. They Woo! just pulled so many great tracks that they sampled from, too. Man, it was all open, Joe. I know. It was all open. Crazy. No one was doing it. So I know you you remember... Do you remember the soundtrack when it came out? Come on, man. Who could forget this soundtrack? It was filled with artists that were chart toppers for that time. Women, we got TLC, we got Naughty by Nature, we've got Tony, 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 we've got Babyface. I mean, jeez. So you are so correct, my friend. But did you forget one artist who has sold more than 23.8 million records worldwide? Hmm. Yes. I'm talking about Usher, baby. (laughs) Usher, baby. Usher, baby. <laughs> so Poetic Justice introduced Usher to the world with this song, Call Me a Mac. Let's give that a listen. Well, he wasn't lying. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been honest. The boy honest. <laughs> <laughs>
I remember this video. Do you? I don't I was know like, I've seen the video. This dude is bold. This dude is bold. Yeah, he got it. Not a surprise there. He always went for it. Well, that song would obviously lead to, a, you know, a bit of a career for Usher. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, I'm thinking he might be featured in a future episode. So don't, don't steal the thunder. Let's get back to Warren G. Word. We'll definitely do that. So it turns out that his production of Mr. Grimm's Endosmoke led him to getting signed to Def Jam. It kind of reminds me of other artists that got signed off of one song. So artists like this guy. You catch me at your local party, yes, I crack it every day. Haters getting mad because I got me so bad tonight. Why are you making your face like that? <laughs> I'm just watching you dance, my friend. There's a, there's a show up in here, people. I'm sorry you can't see it. That is Soldier Boy's hit, Crank That, Soldier Boy, which hit number one on all of the charts in 2007. <laughs> all the charts, all yeah. of them. <laughs> of course, he's not the only one. MCAZ, who was featured on Nas' single, Life's Up, got signed off of his one verse as well. So I remember squads of MCs and producers looking to make the one song that would get them discovered. Mm -hmm. So making a hit song is one thing, but being able to repeat it is completely another thing entirely, right? So there have been plenty of one-hit wonders out there for sure. So Tupac obviously isn't not one. Not a one-hit wonder. Not one. Absolutely not. So Tupac did star in Poetic Justice and was the hottest hip-hop star at that time. So it's not hard to believe that anything he touched would be successful, including his next starring role in the movie Above the Rim. Oh, now you're talking hoops. Hip-hop? I love it. Well, I know you're, you're a big fan of both, too, so I'm guessing you watched this movie when it came out. Sure did, and Warren G. and Nate Dogg teamed up for the next release on the Above the Rim soundtrack. And that brings us to our second feature track, Regulate. Let's give that another listen. I'm getting jacked. I'm breaking myself. I can't believe they taking Warren's wealth. They took my rings. They took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's I mean, next? If you took the Rolex, they really don't need any more to <laughs> talk about. They're done. They want to come up real quick before they start the clown. I best pull out my strap and lay them busters down. So this song debuted at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and was also featured on Warren G's debut album entitled Regulate G-Funk Era which was released on June 7th, 1994. The success of Regulate was an effective marketing tool which resulted in one million copies sold in the first three days of its release. That's, you know, pre-download era and all that, you know? Right. That's people going out and buying the album. Actually buying it. Well, it was eventually certified triple platinum, and to me, it really tapped into that G-Funk sound that Dre and Snoop became famous for. It makes complete sense how many people fell in love with this entire time period of gangster rap. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an awesome time. I remember block parties down at Ohio State campus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we did. It was one of the songs you knew that was going to come on. I'm not going to lie, Tobe. Huh? I still say Mount Up. Do you? In fact, I saw, I'm pretty sure I saw an Instagram post recently where somebody was in their office, and then some, somehow <laughs> somebody was like, regulators, and then nobody followed up with Mount Up. And like, <gasps> right? That's, oh, that's no. It's like a sin against humanity, I think. Well, that obviously came directly from Young Guns, the movie in 1988. That film starred Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen. 
the movie opened at number one, actually, earned $45 million, which is pretty good, considering they only spent $11 million to make it. So, Absolutely. Making all the monies. All the monies. All the monies. So another single released from Warren G's first album is a song called This DJ that landed in the top 10 on music charts. And this song really shows how Warren G was well aware of rapping in a melodic fashion, not just on the choruses, but also in the verses. And this is something that artists like, you know, like Drake does really, really well mm-hmm. and as certainly works to attract more mainstream listeners, I believe. Well, this DJ was Warren G's second single. It peaked at number nine on the Billboard Hot 100 and was certified gold. So let's give it a spin. Rack them up, crack them up, stack them up against the gate. The homies trying to catch me, but they can't wait. Another song that would stop people from speeding. Mm-hmm. Seriously, you can't speed on this. You can't. You can't do that. I'm not one of my Schwinn for the first, you know, like, <laughs> I can only go so fast. And you actually come to a complete stop. <laughs> a complete I'm more, stop. I'm more worried about the sound my baseball card's making <laughs> in the spokes, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So if Altoids are curiously strong mints, yeah. then a factoid is a curiously strong fact. Wow. And here's a factoid for all of you all. So Grand Theft Auto included this song in their game. Which is pretty cool, right? I mean, to ha- actually have a song that you wrote. In Grand Theft Auto? In Grand yeah. Theft Auto, one of the hottest games. And get this, they put the song in a video game. This video game came out 20 years, almost 20 years later. Yeah, that's pretty slick. Well, Warren G's second album, Take a Look Over Your Shoulder, peaked at number 32 on the Billboard Hot 100 when it was released in 1997. His third album, I Want It All, features a single by the same name that features Mac-10. Let's take a listen to a piece of that. Let's do it. I want it all. Houses, expenses, my own business, a truck, and a couple of business. I want it all. You know, it's like Warren is, besides the G-Funk sound, which is awesome, kind of has got a little bit of that, like, yacht rock sound, too. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're crazy. I hear you. You're crazy, though. You're crazy. So both of these albums were certified gold. The good news is that Warren G went on to release four more albums over the years. The bad news is in 2011, Nate Dogg sadly yeah. passed away due to complications from, from multiple strokes. So Nate's name came up in one of our previous episodes where we talked about Mark Ronson. So I wanted to give him a shout out in, in riffs on riff style. Oh, let's do it. All right. One of his tracks, uh, So Fly, why don't we... Why don't we play that in remembrance? Nate Dogg, holla at him, where you at? Riding in my car. And I'm listening to the radio. One thing I liked about this dude, he took his time. I could just listen to him sing. Yeah, honestly, it was a lot of my favorite parts on, on oh my tracks God, with Nate. Oh my gosh, for sure. Well, if you, even if you go back to, uh, to Doggy Style, yep. Snoop's first yep. album. Yep. I mean, he, Nate Dogg, was one of the people that made that album stand out from the rest, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Now it's time for us to dive into some bonus material. So what do we have today, Joe? Well, I kind of laid it on you a little bit ago. You, are you familiar with this Yacht Rock All right, term? Not, I was not familiar at all with the Yacht I thought you were joking. Like, right. you just made that up. No. But uh, in, interesting factoid, it's a real deal. It's a real deal. <laughs> it's a real thing. So, uh, yeah, why don't we drift off to the smooth sounds of a very specific genre between... 1975, 19, it's sort of that mid-70s, early 80s. The term yacht rock actually began as this pejorative term for the kind of music that, okay, picture your stereotypical yuppie, 
sailing away on their yacht while they're sipping champagne and pondering their first world problems. You That's... mean like sailing, <laughs> drifting away? Yeah. That, that kind of sailing? Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. So, <laughs> so Yacht Rock has since become its own genre, complete with its own Spotify playlist. Yeah, you can literally just search Yacht Rock and Spotify and has a whole playlist for you. Uh, why not? Why not? So the sound features a smooth jazz, R&B, or soft rock vibe. A song's sound sanitized and maybe a bit overproduced. Yeah. And lyrics are typically involved, you know, some sort of escape from life or being a fool of some what a, kind. What a fool believes. <laughs> well, you kind of gave away the farm a couple seconds ago with your crooning. But uh, we'll start with the Yacht Rock theme song, Sailing, by Christopher Cross. Let's do it. Unless you just want to sing it for us. No, but. no. <laughs> Chris, does the, he's the man. Let's hear him. Joe, his voice is so pure. Oh, his voice is amazing. Pure. I hate this song, but... Do but, you? <sighs> yeah. I, <laughs> I was going to spin oh, it, but I, ju- I just do. I love it. I love it's it. It's a great song. I think I just have issues with it. Well, that's just me. I understand. I, I, I get it. Ride Like the Wind. Now that's a track. That's your track? That's my track. I got you. So I see where we're going with this, but I say don't hate the player. You don't mm. hate the game. Okay. How about a little baby come back from player? Okay. Let's do okay. that. All right. Trying to forget you was just I do like this one. Man, come on. Baby, come back. So this song reminds me of hanging with my mom, just like the sailing does. Yeah. But it also reminds me of... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxies. I'm pretty sure oh, they have it in their okay. in the soundtrack as well. Yeah, yeah. This is good stuff. Well, you know what, Tobe? She might not come back. <laughs> <laughs> she might steal away instead. So maybe we should just listen to that song by Robbie Dupree. I like this song. <laughs> maybe because it sounds really familiar. <laughs> I like this song. Why does it sound so familiar? Wait a minute. This song sounds an awful lot like What a Fool Believes. Ah, yes, my friend. You are catching on to the Yacht Rock sound. So let's hear how those two songs line up to each other. I believe they call it like the doobie bounce. You know, What a Fool Believes is what we have right here, right? So you got a little bounce going. Well, how could you have a doobie and not have a bounce? Mm. <laughs> I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> and we're still bouncing when we get to Steal Away. I mean, it's basically the same song. Yeah. But that's okay. So you mentioned how Toto has been pigeonholed into a Yacht Rock label. It's a travesty. So I'm thinking it's probably because of songs like this. (laughs) Oh, you're snapping. That's never a good sign. Oh my God. All right, bring it, boys. This song is a jam, though. It's a jam. Like, I get it. It's uh, I could see it in the genre, but it's... Yeah, I mean, you can't sing this song without having, like, a turtleneck on or something. You gotta... <laughs> that's, that's Give me it. some champagne in the yacht, please. <laughs> well, perhaps no artist better fit the bill than Kenny Loggins and, truthfully, Michael McDonald... Who won a Grammy in 1981 with this song, 
This which is my, you and I are both. This is my song right here. <laughs> you were excited. This is my song. Right, play it. Let's Go play, ahead, it. play it. Go ahead, play it. What? You know what? I'm going to say something crazy. I would have loved if Hamilton, the play, was yeah. done back in the day and Kenny Loggins was in it. Oh, my God, dude. Whoa. He could have killed it. That's cool. It, tell me that's not insane. That's that's a that's a crazy idea, that but, is I, but cra- I can get behind it. Somebody needs to go talk to some the we people need a, we in need the a room. Hamel drop with Kenny Loggins. That's what we need. That would be amazing. I got to think about which song he would do. Dude, who cares? Yeah, no, who you're right. Who cares? That's good stuff. So, like the song says, "This is it, my friend." I mean, we're out of time. <sighs> Maybe, out of time for this maybe episode. come back. You can you can blame it all on me. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. We done. We done. <laughs> all right. What all so, did we cover today? So our first feature track was "I Keep Forgetting" by Michael McDonald, and our second feature track was "Regulate" by Warren G, featuring Nate Dogg. All right. What do we have lined up for our next episode? Well, well, man, I, I think it's time we we cut loose a little. I'm in. You know, maybe you need to express yourself. Mm, thanks, buddy. Okay. I, I just might do that. You know what? After all, I was I was born this way. <laughs> yes, you were. Yes, I was. Yes, you well, were. Well, all right. Until then, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time for Riffs on Riffs. Keep listening. Huzzah. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, Isabel Robertson. Audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit evergreenpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm your co-host, Toby Braswell. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.